what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you guys out there that are the doers, the creators, the entrepreneurs, the artists, the producers, the makers, CEOs, you guys name it. You're definitely outside of the box thinkers. You probably do nothing traditional. <laughs> You're probably completely anti-status quo or often looked at as misunderstood and misguided in any number of things and i want you to know as i always say here on the podcast you're very welcome here the space is definitely held here for you you're not alone uh, i'm like that my guests are like that everybody that comes on the show seems to take a non-conventional approach and disrupt in some way mostly because they're in their purpose and trying to do something that is at an impactful level to them and to the people at large so um, you're very very welcome and understood here uh, lots of new subscribers so i appreciate all of you for my day one folks i appreciate you guys being here since the beginning we never even anticipated doing the podcast here we are 350 episodes deep 4.7 million downloads thank you so much for my newer uh people please feel free you can reach out at matt goddessman on instagram and at hdf magazine if you want to get on the conversation of the intersection of cre uh, creativity culture and entrepreneurship and at hustle sold separately each and every one of you know that for the last seven years i have answered each and every single one of your texts dms replies on the wall you name it uh, and there's several hundred thousand of you so i'm very grateful and had not anticipated being able to uh to do all that and so the ability to do that and be able to show up just the same for all of you means a lot so thank you and all all the ratings and reviews they are very much um, appreciated and welcome so thank you and uh, we have another amazing amazing episode today uh, i'm really stoked to have this guest we're going to actually be talking about the importance of empathy and failure in the creative process and entrepreneurship so every one of you should be tuning in and putting this on repeat again the importance of empathy and failure in the creative process and entrepreneurship you're going to need both <laughs> basically I, as you guys know, on several podcasts I've talked about, I don't really believe failure the way the word is is sometimes um, looked at. I believe failure as inputs um, and signals. And we try things and it's just letting us know which next step to take. Society sometimes has this horrible mean way of making failure seem like you've done something wrong. I say that you've just done something and now you know what to do next. <laughs> so that's, that's at least my take. But our, my guest is an incredible background, uh, Ilana Ben-Ari. She's a toy designer, a social entrepreneur and founder of 21 Toys. And we're going to be talking about uh, the importance of empathy and failure. And uh, as I mentioned too, just, just to give her a little bit of a, of a background, because it's incredible, uh, multiple award-winning designer, a design entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, and uh, Ariane de Rothschild Fellow. She's uh, been working at the intersection of design and social innovation for over a decade. So her mastery level is definitely there. Uh, and her company, 21 Toys, is a learning and development toy company that's igniting the untapped creative genius in everyone from kindergartners all the way to CEOs. So all of uh, my older audience that's listening, you guys can tune into this. You guys can can learn from from a little bit more play. 
um, and has been she's been featured uh, as well as the company in Forbes, Fast Company, Bloomberg, and her invention, the Empathy Toy, was praised by Time Magazine as a technology that is reshaping the future. So we're not playing around here. I urge you guys to go check that out. And her company has uh, brought transformative power of play into thousands of boardrooms and classrooms in 50 countries through an expanding collection of toys, workshops, and training programs that prepare teams to unlock skills like empathy and failure. And I keep talking about the importance of this in organizations and how much more closer people can come together versus putting up our walls and our masks and not actually like having open real conversations. Well, imagine if you could tear all those things down, right? And uh, she also hosts Coffee Talks with Alana, which allows people to connect with her over exclusive live video chats, discuss toy design, manufacturing insights, and entrepreneurial advice. Um, please follow her. She's doing some amazing things. Alana, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> that was quite the intro. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, we've got to celebrate, you know, and you know, in entrepreneurship, it's like a never ending thing and you're always moving, moving, moving. So you got to celebrate along the way. So someone's got to do it for you. So, <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so incredible background uh you know i mentioned before the show you can go as far back as you want but like how do we get here because um toy design mm -hmm. number one is that's phenomenal and i feel like it's not often you hear that i would love for the audience to hear how that came about and then your focus and how it's shaping learning which i think is very key and probably much needed during this very transformational time that we're living through which i believe started <laughs> i believe it started yeah. years ago but this year probably is showing uh, the massive shifts in in totality so um please feel yeah, free to go we... with that. yeah <laughs> thank you yeah it's it's really funny actually so um I, I give a lot of talks and uh, until, you know, COVID hit, I was traveling the world talking about how uh, the World Economic Forum uh, put out a future of jobs report in 2015. And they said in five years, which is, would have been 2020, um, you know, the top skills are going to be creativity, emotional intelligence. I talk about empathy and failure in relation to it. And then 2020 hits and I was like, they did not know how right <laughs> they were <laughs> right. with the idea that those really are the, the future skills. We've been talking about it for, for longer than five years. Um, but I'd say that the way that I got into toys uh, is that, and, and I think a lot of us could see this, like toys teach what textbooks can't. So while the World Economic Forum is saying that creativity and, and social and emotional skills are the top skills for the future, we stop teaching those skills after kindergarten. Mm. Like it's somehow we understand from a moment that like a baby is born until the summer before grade one. We're like, yes, a hundred percent play is how they learn. Uh, and then for some reason, something happens the summer before grade one. And then not only is play no longer part of their learning, it's considered the opposite of learning. Mm. It's considered this like frivolous thing. Right. Real work is serious. You sit down, you take tests. Uh, but when you go into recess, that's not, that's not work and that's not valuable. And so then we're looking at a workforce now that's being told to be innovative and disruptive and creative, but we stopped valuing teaching the skills necessary for that so many years ago mm. um, that uh, that's kind of the doom and gloom version of it. Right. But the good news is like, we are all born with it. We are, there are studies that show, you know, 98% uh, of kindergartners are creative geniuses. It just gets educated out of us. So there's no reason we can't bring it back. It's, I believe just like anything, it's a muscle that we can we can grow um i think to answer your question around how we got here so i i'm a designer by trade so i studied product design in university and i went straight into university out of high school so i was one of those um 
I would, I like to think that I was rebellious and cool in high school, but I definitely was not cool. <laughs> I was mostly committed to uh, getting out of the the small town in Canada that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew my only way out was full scholarship just because um, my parents made it very clear that they had only saved up. We'd only been able to, to scrap up enough uh, money for me to go to university, but out of, out of province was a totally other thing. So I was committed to getting straight A's in school so that I could get that full scholarship. So I could, you know, go to, go to my dream university. And, um, what I discovered along the way was I could get really good at school by just gaming it. I got really good at knowing how to get good marks on grades, mm. like, like good marks on tests. Truth. And then I quote unquote got into the real world and it was like, oh, being good at school has almost nothing to do with being good at work or life. (laughs) So like, what am I doing here? And that's kind of when I started to get really angry and um, I'd worked so hard to get good marks and I did get into that school. Um, But it seemed like marks actually were not as relevant and not as important and just all the skills and the things that had been the focus was put on was so disconnected from the real skills that I needed to succeed Mm. yeah in work and in life so I I went into design in um in in a program that's uh, really highly competitive and quite intense and in the thesis year of that school year um you're given a, a project that you work on for for the eight months so for the the full your full school terms and uh, I was partnered with the Canadian National Institute from the block for the blind and I was asked to design a navigational aid for the visually impaired mm-hmm. which essentially means um, my joke is that they wanted me to design um, you know a blackberry with really big buttons <laughs> uh, so the idea was just to like design this technology and I had always been curious and fascinated with play and games um, just that was just a, an area of focus that I've always been interested in. And I hadn't had the opportunity to do any real toy design because it's product design is so broad and so open. Um, but I always had in the back of my head. And then the beginning of the design process is empathy, which means while I went to the library and read about visual impairment after like an hour, I said, what am I doing? I need to just talk to people who are living with it and their friends and family. So I spoke with over 30 people who were born with or developed visual impairment And the biggest takeaway that I had was that the biggest barrier to them being able to navigate a space or get around a space, one of the biggest ones had way less to do with the technology that was available, but more to do with the social and emotional gap between the vision impaired and the sighted. Mm. So what that means is, you know, if your battery runs lower, you're relying on this tech, but you're suddenly, you know, in an environment where you're vulnerable and you aren't able to navigate it independently, you need to be able to ask for help. Um, And what I found so often was that there was just this gap between those communities. So that's when I decided, you know, I think I wanna make a game that allows them to explore the foundations of navigation and the foundations for a visually impaired person when it comes to navigation. It's called orientation and mobility, but it says, where am I, where am I going? How do I get there? I thought those are really great elements for a game. And so what if I designed a game that visually impaired students could play with their sighted classmates? And so that's when I kind of started on this journey. And if you've seen images or videos of our empathy toy, it's an abstract wooden puzzle you play blindfolded. Mm. 
And so the leap from, yeah, black bear with really big buttons to this like maple and walnut wood, like <laughs> handmade wooden toys, uh, was quite the leap. But um, all of that design process came from putting it into the hands of, of, um, of a visually impaired students. So I had a fourth grade classroom all the way to the sighted adults in my studio who helped me uh, test it and prototype it at night. And that's when I got that light bulb moment that, you know, I think this toy actually is it's not exclusive it's inclusive it can be for a range of ages so that's why we like say like ages six to ceo now i had absolutely <laughs> no idea the implications for for workplace at that time um but the toy ended up winning a really prestigious design award and then a few years later i said i don't think anyone is going to start an empathy toy business <laughs> specifically <laughs> around uh changing education which is then where my passion kind of came for this idea that you know schools kill creativity from Sir Ken Robinson talks a lot about that. And I got very enraged. <laughs> I was like, schools definitely tried to kill my creativity in, in my experience. So mm. I thought, you know, I think I can, I don't think the empathy toy is the last toy I have in me. I actually think I want to design an entire series of toys that can change education. And, and lucky for me, absolutely nobody was interested in that or thought that that was a good idea. So I ended up having to start the business myself instead of finding a business that was doing that. Uh, so that's kind of how I got to where I am today which uh so much good in there and i uh, there's a there's this very specific question i want to ask you here in a second but which it mm -hmm. made sense that you would end up creating the company yourself the concept yourself um because it's mm -hmm. very much instilled in, in the valleys of like you know tapping into this creativity that sometimes gets lost and the fact that i, I, I it seems surprising by us that it wasn't created already because that's how we think but it's also, mm -hmm. you know, the beauty of, oh, I get now why it also hasn't been created. That's now on me to do, do, to do so. And, you know, the other thing I, I was thinking when you were talking about um, empathy, uh, so you, you, were you mentioned that um, empathy is the, the beginning of design process is empathy. I wrote that one down. I really, mm -hmm. I really, really, I like that for a multitude of different reasons, maybe more so because like I'm like a tech nerd um, and I always think about user design, UI, UX and like, um, mm -hmm. But I'm, but as well as media, and so it's maybe a little bit Gary V. But like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like. Well, let me ask the question. The question is, do you think empathy is a two-way process in design? And here's why I ask that, because uh, on one hand, my empathy for solving something and wanting to understand the people I'm serving, and saying, let me, I like, there's no, there's no wrong answer. Like, help me understand this thing I'm creating for a particular niche. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just give it all to me of what what's going on in your world so I can be better fit to help you and serve and create exactly what's needed, not what I think is needed, but what you are needing. So there's that side of the mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. And then there's the other side, which is let me hold space so um, they can equally. So it's my job to be have humility <laughs> and then it's their job their job <laughs> yeah. to feel safe to 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 because you had mentioned like uh -huh. when you were speaking to um uh to you know people with uh with that were blind or you know just that they feel open that they can they can share mm -hmm. their feelings and emotions just the same so is empathy almost kind of like a two-way street in the design process yes uh but i wanted to add to that because i I think it's it's been so interesting with the design of the empathy toy and then frankly the next thing i designed was the business 
And I think there's so much overlap with how you need to operate as an entrepreneur as well as how you operate as a designer. And I had to relearn this lesson when I was designing our second toy, which is the toy that teaches failure, um, which ended up taking me three years to design. And uh, we launched it uh, last year. But I believe very strongly that the creative process, and especially when you talk about innovation and design, it's about the tension and the contradictions that exist and you need to kind of hold multiple truths at the same time. So the tension that I like to push on is in one hand, empathy is so important in terms of humility, being curious. Yeah. Like when you said humility and being really open to other people's feedback, you need to hold that in one hand. And at the exact same time, you need to hold the idea that no one will understand this until you make it. Absolutely. And you need to have empathy for yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but you also need to have a, a really strong belief. And I think yes. if you lean too far into either, so if you lean too far into arrogance, obviously, uh, I think we've all seen where that leads. You know, you end up designing a product for no one. So it's just for yourself. Um, or on the other one, there's like design by committee. Um nothing truly innovative or groundbreaking was, you know, you don't, you don't design in the focus group, right? right? You're, you're looking for feedback, but it's still being filtered through certain lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's the role of the designer and the business and the entrepreneurs to figure out that friction and to use your gut and your instincts to navigate it. Um, but when it comes to empathy from like a research perspective or at the really beginning phases of design, it is true. It's incredibly important for you to create a safe environment um, to get that type of research. Um, My version of it was, and this is what I love, love, love about um, physical toy design, is that I could just make shapes and pieces and put it in front of someone and tell them nothing and just Mm -hmm. see what they do. And so I think just keeping it incredibly open um, and being really respectful of other people's feedback uh, is just something that um, is going to get you really far and being able to like do rapid iterations and, and testing. So, so well put. You're, and by the way, you're absolutely 100% correct. You know, I, uh, the, the, I had the, the former CEO of Honeywell was on once and he said, I had a vision. I always went into the boardroom with a vision and, and knowing what it was I wanted to create and what needed to be done. He's like, but I first went around the entire room and asked for everybody else's input because I wanted to hear it. He's like, whether they were right or wrong didn't matter because I knew what I wanted to do, but, but you have to be open to hearing everybody else for the blind spots, the things that you may not have thought of, or the things that, you know, that, you know, might be able to contribute some things you want to shelve now, some things you want to do later, you know, or to do, uh, not shelve, mm-hmm. but do now. He's like, so is that, you're right. It's that balance of, um, not everybody's going to understand what I'm going to try to build because it obviously may not have been done yet, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, the point is to, to show them the iterations along the way as you are trying to create the solutions to their, you know, needs, wants, or desires. And, and so I, I, that was so well put the way you said it. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> when, you know, <laughs> how has it been? You're dealing with, you said from six to CEOs. I would love to know the difference of when you are in front of kindergartners <laughs> and when you are in front of CEOs. And, 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 I, and you can go on tears, by the way, because I feel like um, in a lot of ways, the things that um, you're wanting to preserve in the kindergartners are what you're wanting to bring back into the CEOs that have been kind of taught. And you mentioned something a little bit earlier, but you know, that, you know, that after 
it's no longer nurtured. Their creativity was no longer nurtured in, in higher upgrades in school and then forthright in society and whatnot. And, um, and sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like they lose that, um, that inner, you know, core connection. And so I would love to know what that process is like and what you're doing in these boardrooms and <laughs> with these CEOs and their teams and whatnot, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. So, um, so it's a great question. I got asked that a lot. And, uh, so, to give you kind of an overview, so the physical wooden toys, so the empty toy is made from walnut and maple woods, abstract woods, and they've got uh, different tactile and semantic clues on them, different materials and shapes embedded in them. And what happens is that one person gets a built pattern, one or more people, and they have to describe that built pattern so that other players can recreate it and they have all of the loose pieces. So the exact same puzzle pieces, they're just loose. And so in five to 15 minutes, you end up gaining huge insights into how you deal with patience, frustration, but more importantly, how do you creatively communicate? So if you're you know, six years old or a CEO, like we like to say, you're working with the exact same physical toy pieces. It's just being used in a different environment. Mm. So we have schools around the world. So teachers or school boards will purchase our toys and teachers will embed it in anything from guidance counseling all the way to design and business classes. We're in actually a number of MBA programs. Uh, we're in the executive MBA program uh, in a university in Hong Kong. And uh, now we're also in in major banks. So uh, mo- all, all the major banks in Canada use our toys as part of their leadership development, which is pretty exciting. Um, but I like to say two things. So the first is the game is completely different regardless of age, just based on the group dynamic, because based on if it's two players or five or whoever's in that group, the game ends up becoming a reflection of that group dynamic. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I do not recommend playing this. We we had one of our first hires uh, on our team is our director of training facilitation now, Ryan. He's amazing. And he first started working for us. He's so excited. He brought an empty toy uh, home with him and he rolled it out to his in-laws oh, oh wow <laughs> and he was like oh they're gonna love this <laughs> how'd it go so I like <laughs> it went great but it went great in the sense and I've done this with my own family where like halfway through they're two they're both blindfolded it looks like they're gonna strangle each other they're yelling they're like you never listen you never stop talking like that wasn't his in-laws but that was definitely my my family or my friends when i got them to play and they take the blindfolds off and they go that was really fun like, what just happened <laughs> like, i thought you were gonna like break this in half but like i think so often we we like to walk away from discomfort like try mm. to make things as comfortable as possible right. and like we enjoy being uncomfortable. We learn and we grow when we're uncomfortable. And my job as a toy designer Oof. is to make you just uncomfortable enough that you don't hate me, but instead you're laughing and you're learning. And that's the, the that's the tension that I, I have to design. Um, but the, the question around age, the one thing I would say um, with both our empathy and failure toy is that adults are so scared of getting it wrong. Wow, it's so true, right? Yeah. like they literally they put the blindfold on they're like i'm gonna fail at empathy what does this mean um (laughs) right (laughs) like so much so that that's and i I already knew we were gonna make a failure toy but like the fact that the empty toy led always to conversations about failing at empathy and we just said look it's not even you don't even have to get the pattern the same it's just a conversation about what happened you know sometimes people shut down when they're under stress sometimes Mm. people cheer other people up uh, sometimes because it's not just a two player game, you know, we'll run workshops with 200 players. So anyone in the world can 
can buy our toys and use them in their classroom or with their own team or, you know, it is a fun drinking game if you want to do it. It's just a, a more high-end, <laughs> expensive, <laughs> more expensive high-end drinking game. You can do it that way. Um, but we also run workshops. So a lot of organizations bring us in because um, they want to have an external facilitated, you know, a half-day workshop. So we run that and now we're also in the midst, we, we've done training and now with COVID, we're actually into doing certification since we've managed to move this, figure out a way to play this online. Um, but when we run the workshops, most of them are with corporate teams. And the biggest difference that I've seen with the failure toy, because we did failure toy testing uh, two years ago, and I spent the morning with adults playing it, uh, like senior leaders. And then that afternoon, it was with a grade four classroom. And I almost cried. I was so sad. So I was like, these kids are fine. <laughs> right. They were making the most amazing because the failure toy is very different than the empty toy. You, you have to create a, a shape as intricate and elaborate as you want on this wooden circle that has an embedded metal in it. And some of the pieces have magnets, some don't. But the more ambitious the shape that you create, the more risk you have. Because if the pieces fall, you lose points. And so many of the adults <laughs> would, they'd have five full minutes to decide what shape they want to build. And they put like two pieces on. And then I'm going to this grade four classroom and these kids are making these elaborate shapes mm -hmm. and they're taking all these risks. And I was just like, oh, they haven't been like, <laughs> fear hasn't been put into them yet. And I, I got really sad, um, but also hopeful. But it's just, it, the failure toy has been the most fascinating, the difference with the age groups, just around risk, around who, who really tries to make something large or ambitious or even just how you relate to the other people on your team because we we get really sneaky with it so you can build an ambitious structure but you can be risking other people on your team in the same ways and so different risk tolerances and it, it get it gets a really it's really really fascinating um but yeah i'd say the biggest one is yeah adults are just more scared oh uh, i mean <laughs> i had i had uh uh, chills when you're talking about the um, the fourth graders and not you know and and just how um, elaborate and and they're unaffected yet by society. Please get into every school globally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I am working on it. <laughs> I I whatever you need besides this podcast to make that happen, I am on board. I I um you know one of the biggest um things closest to my heart is how do we nurture creativity in children um, at a young age before it is um, restricted from them or, or taken from them mm -hmm. um, because yeah. a more creative youth will innovate like crazy in the future and mm -hmm. and i feel because i i had to do a lot of internal work to return to uh, you know that and, and 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 it's forever process as an adult you know i mean but i mean it's a you're mm -hmm. probably much further along within your business but um uh but i i've found that it you know it is a process as an adult to re, you know when we have i will forever stay in creativity but learning to to get back into that some of that childlike uh essence um mm -hmm. failure definitely doesn't um uh scare me but i mean as an entrepreneur you you learn that like i mean when you've done it like four or five or six times of <laughs> things blowing up you're like all right <laughs> we're gonna iterate that yeah. process again um you know so um so yeah I, I i think what you're doing is so unbelievably important um with and it's interesting to hear the adults um 
the, what they're going through. And then the other part that you said is that get them uncomfortable enough to not hate you, but to actually enjoy the process. <laughs> I, I give you a lot of credit for that because I, I bet it's a very, you, cause you're, you're wanting, I like that you said that, you know, we're, we grow up learning that being uncomfortable is where we should be versus dealing with the discomfort itself. <laughs> so we just stay in an uncomfortable mm -hmm. state. Um, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal that you're you're wanting to basically do. Are you finding that it sparks the the adults um, a, a bit more to be like, that wasn't so bad. Where else mm -hmm. can I explore more yeah. topics? Well, I mean, one of the most amazing, amazing things that happened. Uh, so the journey of 21 Toys is I had this student project, essentially, that I had, uh, I got like a $1,200 artist grant. I was living in Montreal and I got a few prototypes made. <clears throat> and then what I would do is I thought, okay, I want to use these toys. I think they have a place in education. I'm not a teacher. I just went through the education system, but I'm not a teacher. So I started uh, volunteering, sometimes sneaking into like education conferences and I would just leave the prototypes on a table. And then teachers would swarm and I whose is this? And I'd go around the corner and be like, oh, I forgot that. <laughs> and then start a conversation that way. Um, what I didn't anticipate, so, so sorry, the first question I was trying to answer was, are teachers interested in this? The second was, um, is there a use for this? So it's one thing if they're interested, it's a completely other thing if there's like purchasing decisions and if you know there's actually a budget for this. And um, I was lucky enough that uh, I had left the toy at this one conference and through word of mouth, I got a phone call from um, a trustee or a, a, the principal of, of uh, this really large school board. And they put in a large enough order that I could use that one order to pay for my first like mini mass production run. And then I had this timeline to create a guidebook, uh, which I'd been developing over, you know, the, the while that I'd been working, but I thought, okay, well, how do I give them a guidebook on all the different ways you can use the toy? So I thought, okay, what kind of topics? So it covers leadership, team building, guidance counseling. Um, I can't remember all, I think it was six, six or eight. And then I got these guidebooks printed. We did a demonstration for like the first 50 teachers to get these kits. And what I did for that whole first year was that's when I um, brought on board. He's now our director of training facilitation, but uh, Ryan was a former teacher. He's in the school for 10 years. So I, I hired him and then we would go to the schools to see how they were using the toys. And we heard over and over again, teachers say, yeah, yeah, we used it for guidance counseling. It was great. Uh, we also borrowed it for the French class. Uh, the math teacher borrowed it and uh, <laughs> we're actually using it in STEM now. <laughs> wow, wow. And my immediate reaction was like, wait, is that okay? <laughs> and then I thought, this is what's happening. It's not that we need to teach kids to be creative. It's we need to get adults back in a creative and playful place. And what I in no way anticipated was by putting these beautiful abstract pieces and giving teachers the green light to be creative, it sparked their creativity. So they were making connections we would have never imagined. And mm. teachers are so creative. Right. And facilitators and people working in the L&D space are so creative that I, I think if anything, this is, it's kind of like putting that creative genius that we lost, you know, after kindergarten, it's putting it back in their hands. And that's the thing that I never really anticipated. And that's what I'm so excited just to continue growing kind of this global community of toy educators and facilitators. Um, because people don't need a lot to be told they can be creative. And, and I, I also mm -hmm. wanted to add like with kids, 
kids growing out of their creativity, I always like to say it's because they go from asking the question, like, what's a four-year-old's favorite word? It's like, why? And then what's like, once you're in school, what's the, what's the word they use? It's like, I say like, it's wibbit, which is like, will it be on the test? And so we start learning to value and prioritize. If I do this, these series of things, will that get me a good mark, which will get me into the right school, which will get me into a good life. And that's kind of the, the equation. And so many adults now are like, that's not the equation. <laughs> so many kids are like, well, what is the equation? And we're all just very confused <laughs> uh, right now. And I think we're seeing the front lines of post-secondary. We're in so many colleges and universities are using our toys with students, which is just unbelievable. But it's because they're at the front lines. They're the ones that are right before they're entering into the job market. You know, they're the ones that need to justify what they're teaching. And I think this idea of marks as opposed to portfolio-based work, um, this idea of getting like getting a D in a subject, like what does that mean? like getting an, a B or a C or an A, like, does it just have to do with, like, I lost my scholarship in the first year of university because my program refused to give A's. Like it was like part wow. of their, because it was such an intense program. Um, but I always say like, when it comes to just failure, um, when we look at why failures like stigmatized, or I like to say there's kind of this extreme spectrum where on one hand, we have the entrepreneur community saying, fail fast, fail often. And then on the other extreme, there's just failure abstinence, which is mm. schools are essentially saying, look, we're all going to go through it. You're human. We're all going to deal with failure at some point in our lives, but we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to help you understand how you react to it. <laughs> we're not going to give you <laughs> tips and tricks. Um, you know, we're not going to teach you how to fail safe. We are just going to not teach it. And so because we're teaching failure abstinence, there's this like fear that if we even talk about it, like there's going to be all these kids going off having like unsafe failures. And so then they're confused. We're just telling people like crossing our fingers and saying, well, we hope you figure it out. Whereas really it's just about failure education, just like it is with empathy education. It's just, hey, this is going to happen. We're human. We all react and, you know, experience things differently. Um let's start building out our emotional intelligence and it doesn't have to be in this standardized, you know, way it can be in a creative way. It can be in a playful way. Um, and so I think when we look at the impacts of that long-term, of course, we have adults that are scared. Of course, we have people that hide their failures. Of course, we have people that, um, have a really hard time collaborating. Like I have such a hard time working in teams because I don't think I ever was taught how to work in a team. I was just mm -hmm. put into teams. So all, all I learned about teamwork was that I hated teamwork. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just think there's, there's, I think education as a whole, as well as education within organizations. Um, so like the L&D departments are just going through a really interesting transformation the last few years. Um, and now, especially this year more than ever, mental health is such a priority with COVID. Um, I think like social justice issues and, it's, and, and bias is so important. This idea of taking on multiple perspectives, being comfortable with discomfort because so often we chase comfort mm. um and then end up silencing so many um when people say oh you designed an empathy toy i like to say yeah it's not a teddy bear with a kleenex box you know the goal of the empathy toy isn't for you to just be nice <laughs> make like, you deal with your ish <laughs> <laughs> the goal is is for us to get just comfortable mm -hmm. enough that we can have uncomfortable conversations and we can you know take on multiple perspectives that aren't our own 
Um, and that's really how we, how we grow and we become more, more resilient and, and creative. I mean, there's so much in there to unpack, um, and so much responsibility. You inadvertently have just taken on the world's, uh, <laughs> emotional, uh, <laughs> you know, um, emotional, whatever you want to call it this year in general, which is homework. Uh, no, yeah. Homework. There you go. Well, you know, um, First of all, the, the thing you were saying about, you know, the ability to take on multiple perspectives, well, the way that the system was currently designed and the all of the different people making choices weren't raised with this newer found information that you're introducing into um, into uh, children and um, as the the outcome would be that they'd be able to grow and make mm -hmm. better decisions. Instead, we're still relying on generations of um, a system that is in really you know emotionally <laughs> like i'm well, i'm trying to i'm trying to keep i'm trying to be it's it's designed to it's a design to remove it it's a really hard thing to measure and it yes. also wasn't something that was a priority right like in the 1970s right the top three skills were reading writing and arithmetic yes you know like now it's creative thinking complex problem solving and but yes. we just haven't updated our education systems and right. also much like so many of our systems, they were designed by a specific age group and demographic. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at just how design decisions are made, when you don't have a diverse group designing those systems, yes. there are going to be either ignorant blind spots or intentional deviations from things. And I, I think a lot of the decisions on how we educate and what we teach is done by design. Um, yes. And I also, I also like to say with failure, uh, this has always been something that has been, um, I found really challenging in the startup community is I think fail fast and fail often is a wonderful sentiment and I understand its intention, but it can be very, very tone deaf to a large very. amount of communities. Thank you for saying So anything. Yeah. So like, if you look at like healthcare professionals or like, you can't just be like, oh, just fail fast <laughs> when you're doing surgery. Um, but also I, I remember there's so many hero stories in the entrepreneurship community of like, you know, it wasn't until my fourth business that I was able to be successful. And I'm sitting here going, how did you afford to fail at three businesses? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a lot of us don't have the, the privilege to try three times. Right. Um, and get the fourth one right. So I think there's just the, the conversation around privilege as it relates to failure and the ability to continue trying um, and have it be this monumental risk as opposed to this, you know, slight kink. Like, like there's so many different, there's just such a spectrum to it and there's so much context that's missing from the conversation that I love fail fast and fail often because I think it started a pro failure conversation but i also think that there's 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 a lack of the spectrum of the conversation around that i completely agree and several of us within the community have had this this conversation i because everyone's circumstances are also different are we talking about a mm -hmm. two-person household or a one-person household let me tell you something a one-person household trying to build a business is a lot different <laughs> than a two-person yeah. household and <laughs> is there yeah. a supporting cast or is there not a supporting cast you know <laughs> yeah my joke my joke was they were like well when you're starting a business you know get your start start with the friends and family round and i'm always like who's friends and family <laughs> right right and i rent this friends and family <laughs> right but it's even it's in the language that like oh your first barrier to starting a business is just that difficult conversation you're going to have with your wealthy fans and family. To, like, it's just, there's a, just, there's so many layers of assumptions built into it. Um, yeah. 
Well, and then, and then, of course, the, the beautiful, uh, um, with the upsurge of um, entrepreneurship, the beautiful educational system of colleges around the country and the world, I'll just use the U.S., of, uh, you know, now we teach entrepreneurship. I'm like, you know, if you really wanted to teach entrepreneurship, what you would do is you just tell your, your uh, students, hey, go build it five years and then get back to me. And depending on how you did, I'll give you your grade <laughs> because you cannot yeah. necessarily teach it. Uh, I mean, I, theory is only as good as, you know, your application or contextual experience and if you haven't had any of that i mean would yeah it's 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 a tricky balance um there there are some amazing Uh, business programs out there but so often yes you can't just like most things you can't just say oh okay it's business here's your test on how to start a business yeah like i there's i mean most of the entrepreneur i think almost all the entrepreneurs i know um didn't go to school to learn how to start a business they just started it you know from circumstances of of my life at the time i went back to mba school uh for international business school and um and still ended up staying an entrepreneur afterwards of course (laughs) so i mean (laughs) but you're absolutely correct um i people ask me all the time like do you recommend school i'm like listen if you're looking for being a you know executive level management of like a very um uh you know, traditional, uh, already established business, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know, unless you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor or, or in your case, a, a designer, <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of stuff is really learned from doing. And, um, and I try not to detract because obviously I've done all the education and then, but it's hard being an advocate for, you know, when people say like, Oh, so you did. I'm like, yeah, but I don't really, you know, everything I learned, I learned in, in the streets in, in a weird, funny way of saying that. But I was like, but when I sat in class and I was like, oh, well, actually, uh, Professor, um, digital technically um, would be better spent because I can track everything down to the language, down to the time that it was this. I can track this. I can track that. So technically in marketing now, isn't it more math and science based with my data analysis because I have true statistics? And they'd be like, yeah, no, that's just really a small part. Really billboards and magazines is where it's at. I'm like, you've (laughs) got to be effing kidding me. I'm like, Egypt's government was just overthrown last week from Facebook. (laughs) You know, I I yeah, I went to university in the early 2000s and our photography teacher, I remember our first year said, oh, digital, you can't get good photos with digital cameras. That's just a trend. <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> and then the next year it was like, we all had to then buy. So I was like, I just bought this really essential DSLR for like a three months, <laughs> three months use before I had to upgrade it to, to get a digital camera. Right. But yeah, I think... I think um, what I would, what I'm curious about is actually going to school after, not after this necessarily, that'd be, but it would be cool to, after a number of years of running a business, then learn, yes. learning about it. Yes. I, I think I get a lot from that. So much. Yeah. And you know, uh, <laughs> so much. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. And let, allow me to rant there for a second, but it, uh, no, that was good. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I'm hopeful that you know because the other thing i was going to say earlier about unpacking everything you just said was that um again the the focuses that are needed the most are uh the creativity and the innovative thinking and um you know i'm i'm hopeful that more wanting to concentrate on that but the system in general seems to be kind of having a little bit of a breakdown i think COVID helped that um even more kind of already reveal like if I'm not going to your school in person, what am I really paying for? I'm like, well, you really, what were you really paying for in the first place? But I think that the the old established establishment, Mm -hmm. whether designed 
by accident or intentionally <laughs> is um, uh, I, I just feel like there's a, a little bit of a, a breaking down. I think how you've got a lot of responsibility uh, in, a, in such a beautiful way because you're at such a great time of complete transformational shift of how we learn, what mediums we, we choose to learn through, redefining you know, a, a system that is just kind of now officially worn itself out, um, whether it be in the educational system, the mental health and wellness <laughs> category, mm -hmm. um, the creativity category, um, in some cases, the financial category, because of how people are learning to, in the, in the business setting, um, treat their environments completely different than what they were previously taught. You have a lot of beautiful responsibility, but I mean, I, I think it's such an amazing time for your company because it's so perfectly needed. It is. Yeah. It, thank you for saying that. It is. Uh, we've had so many messages and we put these out as well. Like you, empathy and resilience are needed now more than right. ever. Yeah. Um, we had a really interesting year. We had, I would say going into 2020, like so many businesses, like January, February was our absolute best, like record breaking sales months. You know, we're about to double the team. Um, I've been bootstrapping it, so I have no investors. Uh, everything Good. is uh, entirely <laughs> built through <laughs> my pay and wait model, yep. uh, which mm -hmm. I've really perfected. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think I think I've been able to build and grow the business because I have no investors, and um, I have an amazing team. But I, it's just me in terms of those uh, the founding team mm. and and the designer of the toys. So it's been so hard. Yes. Um, but I feel like. All of that hard work has really shown up this year. Uh, we were impacted just like you know every other business that has any sort of in-person service. Mm -hmm. um, every single workshop we had been booked through. We were my team was about to go. They're just gone back from Egypt. We were about to go to Peru. Um, we have big like clients in like in big tech companies as well as um, universities and colleges. Like I was supposed to be in Hong Kong last month. Every single every single sale that we had booked um, suddenly, you know, postponed or canceled. Um, and so we were hit really, really hard, just like I think the rest of the world. Um, and so I had a moment of panic uh, saying, you know, can we, can I keep the team? Can I keep the company going? And we were so, so, so lucky because within 24 to 72 hours, um, one of the actually major, um, tech companies emailed us and said, we're really looking forward to our empathy workshop next week. Do you think you could do it online? And that's, we had that first week, you know, March 16th, I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, we started iterating. Um, our director of training facilitation was like, I'm on it. We started testing it on our own team. And within two weeks, we had a working version of playing our toys online. We don't remove the physical toys. Instead, we can ship them directly to your house. Not everyone has to have one. You need at least two for like, you know, a group of 10 to 15 minimum. Mm -hmm. um, and then we created a digital toy library. So instead of seeing the toy or having it explained to you, you're given a, a, an image of it from a different perspective. And we've been running, um, we've been selling professional development workshops and we've been running free play sessions. We call them global play sessions throughout the summer. And while it's been so scary and like everything sales are very volatile. So one week we'll be like, Oh, we're going to be okay. And the next week we're like, Oh my God, everything's on fire. Right. Um, it's been just a really beautiful time to really reconnect with our community. Cause I, I like to say like we're in over 50 countries, but we don't, 
we don't have really strong connections in those countries. We just see orders coming into those countries. This is kind of the first time where we're pe people that we know have been fans of ours and we've seen out in the yes. wild, but we haven't been able to really connect with them like France and Hong Kong, um, Australia, they're showing up on our calls now. Um, and we're, we're next week or in the next few weeks, we're going to be launching certification. So we're finally, for the first time, we've never been able to do this, but we can now certify individuals so that they can deliver our workshops with their clients. Mm. Um, and we're going to be building out more offerings to schools and teachers in the new year. Um, our biggest thinking right now is schools are so overwhelmed. Um, and there's just so much going on that we're, we're there to support, um, and to kind of lend an ear, but in terms of how we support them, we want to make sure that how we show up and how we show up as a business, but also from just design that we go back to our roots, which is before we build out anything, we just really need to open up those conversations to see how everyone's doing, how we can serve them, what their, their needs are, and then we can take it from there. But it's been a roller coaster of a year. And the funniest thing is where we, we launched pre-orders for our failure toy, November of 2019. They're supposed to be in everyone's hands in July. Uh, and it looks like 2020 is like literally our year of failure. So I'm, uh, we're in production now. So the, the physical toys, um, will be in our hands and very soon. And I'm just so excited to have this physical toy that, uh, we can also start, you know, bringing it into more classrooms. Like you said, our, our goal is to hopefully, uh, uh make some sort of a big impression, um, in our schools and our offices. So I'd love to walk into you know, a school, but also, um, you know, the, um, <laughs> the reception area of a bank, or, uh, the right. leadership team, and then there's like an empathy toy and a failure toy on their shelf. That's like my vision. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You know, um, interesting, maybe your, uh, of your guys, as you said, your failure, but, um, all the customers waiting for those maybe their year of empathy for knowing that, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> it's, a uh, it is an interesting year. Um, and, Mm -hmm. um, your ability to adapt so so quickly. Um, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, so uh, my background has always been um, helping companies um, digitally transform online. So it has been mm -hmm. an uphill battle for me for twenty years, <laughs> explaining that okay. why it's important. Until all of a sudden, <laughs> in one year, they're like, "Oh," and you're like, "Okay, here we go." Oh. You know, like, <laughs> how can I help you in your sales and marketing and automation processes and all the you know all the fun stuff, mm -hmm. right? And all the marketing, whatever. But it's um, but you brought up a very vital point, which is um, you getting back to the roots and using the internet to do so in a lot of ways too. The, the idea is always, the internet is this beautiful, beautiful web of community and we can connect to the people and the intended people much faster and have conversations mm -hmm. much faster. When used properly, <laughs> we can connect much yeah. faster, have com <laughs> have great conversations much quicker. Um, and even just like that, like, hey, does anybody want a work, you know, empathy, like straight up, like, hey, does anybody want a, a workshop on how to do this, this and this that might help you? You're all at home with your children. Let's have a conversation about um, some really cool things that you can do with them that we've seen from our research. Watch all the hands go up like, yes, I'm looking for something. Give me something like, great. Here's a Zoom link. Uh, I'll just set it for this date and we'll just go from there. And, um, it's, a, it, it is actually as simple as that as a starting point. Then you got, you know, other integrations and you get all techie. But the idea though, is that, you know, um, you, a, you innovated fast knowing that you had to make some changes and B you went right to the, you know, like, Hey, how do we, how do we help the community at large, even using, you know, um, the web, uh, and, and make those changes. And 
um, which is, I think, a very fundamental core of already who you guys are, which is very innovative. And, <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> so I so I give you a lot of credit on the adaptation and um, and it's amazing. And what, what do you guys have coming up? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we're launching certification. So that's on the online mm -hmm. empty toy. Awesome. Uh, the failure toy, we'll be having a big failure party <laughs> soon. That's um, awesome. TBD. Uh, and then um, continuing to just e expand our online learning support. So we want to be able to offer something for schools that is a very different offering than what we would for corporate uh, mm -hmm. online. So we'll be um, starting to build that out in the new year. So we have uh, options for schools to also do more online learning and yes. collaborate like uh, as a complement to the physical toys. So um, that's kind of the idea that we're going to use the investments from launching the certification and the workshops from this year um, to, to fund the R&D and development of that in the new year. Uh, and then if I'm able to, which was the plans, I think I can still start on it, but uh, I'm going to start working on our next toy which is a, a toy that teaches improv. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> which I like to say, I believe we've been practicing <laughs> yeah. for a few years now as a company. Um, but uh, empathy, failure, and improv, uh, those are the foundational skills necessary for uh, invention. Oh. So that's really the, the design thinking process. So empathy is research. Um, failure is prototyping iteration and improv is about brainstorming it's about mm. yes and it's building on others ideas you know before you start editing and uh, it's such a crucial role and there are people around the world who believe improv will change the world and yeah. i want to meet those people because i i know how powerful that that skill can be but so many people don't engage in traditional improv lessons um because uh it's they're just they're too it's just too uncomfortable if that's a better way to say that so yeah. this is looking at bridging kind of that gap of people who maybe wouldn't traditionally go to an improv class so getting a, a toy to kind of start the the improvisational uh like juices flowing is is kind of the goal of that one here i thought we were all just making it up as we go along anyways <laughs> we were just trying to figure it out <laughs> well my joke people are like the failure toy hey and i was like it is not designed to trick you like my joke was like i guess i could just be a jerk and just make the failure toy an improv toy and it's just a box and i'm like figure it out but, uh, <laughs> no, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be super really well designed um and uh yeah it's it's gotta follow up the empty and failure toy so I've, I've got my work cut out for me but i'm i'm really excited to start starting that design work in the in the new year i think you're doing amazing work and i think again i can't even uh, stress how important the timing is. Um, the next few years look beautiful, even though I know that you're in that entrepreneurial trend. Believe me, I get it. I'm on one of that my ventures right now too, and it is brutal some days. <laughs> so I totally get it. So not speaking out of context, but your timing is is it's impeccable. I, I really think it is, and and seeing where uh, we're heading, I think that um, as people first break down from the anger, and then um, from maybe some of the sadness that will come from a lot of these things all being brought up, they'll have to move into solution oriented type of thinking in terms of like, okay, I think now that I'm through the initial motion, I'm just thinking of traditional transformation. I think about what I went through eight years mm -hmm. ago was like, I was really upset. I went right into like, you know, kind of being sad about it. And then I was like, all right, let's, 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 let's move into like, it's about the inner, all about the inner. Um, and I think that when that happens, which will be probably sooner than later, um, you're just going to be sitting right there with um, 
a the solution in hand one of the solutions in hand but one of the, i think the primary solutions in hand because i, I think that what you're um, trying to reintroduce is something that we never should have lost mm-hmm. and um so that's kudos to you on that uh massive um but it, but I, but it's also there's simplicity in it because i think you're, you're bringing you're bringing people back out of the complexity that we've, <laughs> we we made on our own yeah, as human well, beings yeah i mean so i might leave you with with this it's, it's a very short anecdote and story yeah. but when i started designing 21 toys i thought oh, okay look i'm not the first person to say toys are a form of learning or that toys are important for our development and um what I ended up finding was, and a lot of architecture students know about him, but I think the majority of people definitely in North America haven't heard of him, but his name is Friedrich Froebel. He's a 19th century German philosopher. He's also the inventor of kindergarten. And he, um, in the 19th century, hmm. he, when you think like who invents kindergarten, he invented kindergarten through this theory of open play. And what he did was he actually invented a series of toys that he called gifts. Uh, that were very abstract, very simple, um, like balls of yarn and these like cubes and and flat, you know, different abstract shapes. He ended up uh, designing 20 of them. 10 of them came to life, 20, uh, 20 in theory he designed. These toys not only led to the development of kindergarten, but they inspired some of the greatest creative geniuses of our time. Mm. So Buckminster Fuller, the yeah. grandfather of industrial design, um, uh, artist Kandinsky, um, Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright wrote about these blocks in his autobiography. Mm-hmm. Every one of these creatives said that these abstract skills changed the way that they saw the world. And if you just look at them, and they're very, very simple, but they're designed and developed in a way that is open, that you can bring yourself to it, that you can bring creativity to it, and it, it sparks just enough of that. Um, and if you're familiar with, let's say, Montessori schools, Maria yes. Montessori or Caroline Pratt, mm-hmm. Um, they're all Froebel educated. They all went through the Froebel system and Maria Montessori used that and Caroline Pratt also were inspired by that with their education system that they started. So when I think about what we're doing, I like to just think that like he designed up to 20, you know, we're just designing the 21st toy. So that's where 21 toys comes from. Mm. It's about 21st century. It's like what skills would we be designing for now? So we're just picking up where he left off. And, and while you think about the role of kindergarten, I like to say like kindergarten works. We just stopped kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the thing. So I think I think we can sometimes think that complex problems need complex solutions. It's not always the case. Mm, uh, true. Really simple, beautifully thought out um, design uh, nudges can actually create a, a pretty amazing ripple effect. So true. I had to learn that from meditation, slowing down to speed everything else up in mm. your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> you know, thank God. Yeah. Uh, cause I was really making ish hard at some point, <laughs> you know, um, um, where can everybody find out about you, the company, you know, whether they want to get in touch or they maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe they're looking for the workshops, the certifications. Um, and I have a huge, immensely loyal following, so I have no doubt that they will probably, <laughs> oh, you know, find you. And, and, and some of them actually, I, I know work in, um, uh, Montessori as well. Cause that, the topic actually had oh, come great. up on all the lives. I went through Montessori and hadn't, I mean, at the time I, I just thought that this was natural. This is what everybody goes through. But my parents were very much like, he's his, him and his sister are creative. Let's just put them there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank God. Um, but, um, but yeah, wh- where can everybody find out about you online? 
Yeah, so uh, we're at 21toys on social. So that's our handle on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. The company is written out, so 21toys.com. Uh, but if you just Google Empathy Toy Failure Toy or just the hashtags Empathy Toy Failure Toy, you'll be able to find us. Um, and yeah, we'd be happy to direct you. We have free online global play sessions. If anyone wants to see how to play the Empathy Toy online, you don't need a toy to play. Uh, <laughs> and then you can also find me through there. I do... Uh, Every few months, I'll try to keep it more to once a month, but I'm bringing back a uh, coffee talk. So uh, I do an hour uh, once every month or two uh, where I answer questions from designers and entrepreneurs. And it's just kind of like open door. So if anyone has any questions, I, I answer things off the record. That is awesome and amazing. And thank mm -hmm. you for doing all this. Um, it's uh, like I said, it's it's just a, it's I think it's a truly amazing time for you. And, um, you know, I'm 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 grateful to see where it goes. And I, and I tell this to every uh, guest, it's a journey driven podcast. So clearly now, six months from now, a year from now looks drastically different this year, 10 minutes from now looks very different. Um, but it's, mm. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're welcome back on anytime. And if there's like another, whether, um, another realization that you're, you're experiencing within the growth of what your, um, your purpose is, or just in general, mm -hmm. like a really great topic that you're noticing that, you know, um, it needs to be addressed, please feel free at any time. You're more than welcome to come back on the show. Thank you. No, I'd love that. I actually, I, we should get you a failure toy in your hands. Uh, and first thing in the, in the new year, we'll start to have stories of, uh, them out in the wild, but, uh, we'll have, I'll, I'll see if I can, if I can send you over some, some failure toys. We can maybe, we're just about to figure out how to, we've just solved crack the nut on how to play that online as well. So here's what we'll do. If, if, if you, if you do that, I'll assemble a, a few, uh, a few of us, uh, here in the entrepreneurial community, uh, here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and maybe some friends from LA, if they, they come in and <laughs> we'll all do it together, <laughs> film it, <laughs> and then send Perfect. you, send you any, you know, we'll send whatever you want from the, the, the video case study to testimonials to whatever you want. Um, and, uh, and I we'll, can, I Oh, go ahead. If we all get on, if we all get on a video call, I can facilitate it. We can play it live. Perfect. Done. Consider it done. Because I know that when I bring this up, <laughs> yeah. and I'll, but and I'll make the prerequisite. I'm like, you're gonna have to listen to this episode first. I know. I already. I already know the five <laughs> or six people. I know the five or six people right. that I'm gonna actually say like, you're in, <laughs> and and they're the type two to be like, can we film it? I'm like, of course we can film it, <laughs> and we're gonna show everybody else exactly what we went through, so that way they can see why it's important to to consider doing the same. <laughs> so that would be great. I'd love that. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, Alana. Uh, absolutely amazing work that you're doing. And uh, sit tight for one second. I'll, I'll connect with you here offline. Um, for everybody sure. listening, uh, Alana Ben-Ari, please check her out on uh, so on Instagram, 21toys, right? It's it's the 21, right? Mm -hmm. 21 Toys on Instagram and, and Facebook um, and uh, Twitter. Uh, 21 spelled out, 21toys.com. And then uh, Ilana Ben-Ari on Instagram as well. Uh, so if you have any questions, uh, she's also got Coffee Talk. You can you can connect with her. Um, you know, she's clearly busy. So just be just be kind <laughs> to her and in, in reaching out. Uh, and uh, for all of you educators out there, please, or non just CEOs, entrepreneurs, please um, consider looking at uh, these these toys and and implementing them somehow, maybe in your household or in your work environment. Um, I I'm actually wanting to be a very big advocate of this because I I just think that it's it's vital to bring these types of things, uh, these characteristics more. I think as we're moving forward, I think the old paradigm is done in my opinion. But 
I've been saying that for years. So hopefully now people are starting to <laughs> starting to listen. Uh, so thank you, Alana, for being a guest on the show. Uh, and uh, really, truly appreciate you. And for The Hustle Sold Separately, we are out.